Hello, listeners. You're listening to episode 17 of 8-Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2022 movie Glass Onion. What? In 8-Minute Chunks, even though that bit's not really true. Presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. Hello, Peter. Wow, look at this. A bonus episode. Bonus episode. Boner episode. Yes, we have seen the film glass onion in a cinema yeah we uh, uh, me <laughs> yeah yes we have it was very hard to get them to stop the film every eight minutes so that we could go and record a podcast about it but we we got there in the end the the rest of the audience were not into it as much as we you know we were absolutely um, furious yeah um when the police turned up they they didn't even listen to me when i said do you know who i am i mm. record a podcast yeah, they didn't know who you are <laughs> <laughs> no one knows who i am and right. that's my superpower hmm. um yeah so this isn't following our usual format obviously because the movie hasn't really come out yet or it has but it hasn't quite um so what we intend to do is give you two bonus episodes too it's gonna be this episode now which is going to be our spoiler free impressions of glass onion yeah uh, and we're gonna do another episode which is our spoiler full impressions of glass onion and that episode will come out on the 30th of December, a week after it's been available on Netflix, so you should have plenty of time to watch it. Also, we're telling you in advance, so if you haven't seen it by then, you don't have to listen to this. <laughs> That's true. So, um, this is the first of two bonus episodes, uh, wherein upon that's a word, we are going to talk about Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out. I always said Knives Eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. My podcast has successfully reprogrammed my brain. Um, and we're gonna um sort of give you our general impressions of it without spoiling who done it. Yeah, or any other interesting twists and turns of the plot it's going to be kind of uh, we're, we're not really going to talk about the plot we're going to talk about our general impressions only it's a, so it's, it's safe it's a spoiler free review so mm. like you know we finally pivoted to just doing review podcasts like <laughs> i always wanted to um our next season perhaps could be true crime <laughs> I would say if you're a person that uh, that really doesn't want to hear anything about the film before going in, doesn't want to hear about what any of the characters are or any details of the setting at all, then maybe skip this one because we might touch on some of that stuff. But we're not going to go in depth or in into any of the plot. Yeah, yeah. So again. If if you if you really want your glass onion unspoiled, um, I was going to say unsullied, but that sounded a bit sinister. Um, then just skip this podcast and then just listen to both of them on the thirtieth of December as a little treat, just before just before the new year. Go on, spoil yourself, but yeah. without without spoiling yourself. If you yeah, if you if you know what I mean. Um, so. 
We've done, well, it's been a couple of months before we've done this. It, <laughs> it has before. Before that's, we've done this. Before we've, done, we've this. done this. Yeah, um, my my sense of time has become very distorted. I'm not. I'm not, not letting you get a do over on that one. Um, <laughs> the difference between before and since, or what time is anymore? Surely you mean a be after for? <laughs> be after for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I started as a fake joke, but then I made myself laugh. <laughs> It's nice to know that my standards are so low. So, um, Peter, um, how how have you been in the two months since we last recorded a podcast? Well, uh, I, th- I think it's been even longer than that, because I feel like since we last recorded a podcast, I moved. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah but you were doing that while we were moving. Yeah, um, but it, it's all done now, and uh, yeah, I'm settled in the new place. It's it's generally thumbs up, um, and I have been uh, well. We've both been enjoying lengthy YouTube videos lately, haven't we? I don't <laughs> uh, look. <laughs> um, you can't drag me in on this. You you made me go down this rabbit hole, but sure, okay. Well, uh, the, I, the long form video essay on YouTube has has recently entered my consciousness, and it's um, it's probably going to get me fired. I mean, <laughs> so, oh, a four hour video where someone talks about theme park. Sign me up. <laughs> yes, I've watched that one too. It passes the time, doesn't it? So much time. <laughs> well, what's that awkward saying? It's an amusing diversion on the road to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. Uh, so I, I've listened to one that was about the the uh, what was it? It was. Um, I don't want to talk about the main one that I'm going to mention yet, but there was another one that was about the the sound that they used for Disney's uh, kind of sting on on their channel. Are you, are you the Will the Wilhelm scream? What? What? <laughs> no, Disney's uh, D- Disney's sting. Disney's like sting. Their, their little uh, the little channel identity sound that they use on the disney channel oh well no i didn't know this one uh i i, I was thinking of something else Car- carry on please yeah so they've made they've made or someone has made a uh a documentary for youtube about this someone called uh defunct land you know defunct land um uh, no they, they make lots of videos about old theme park stuff that doesn't exist anymore right um, and uh, but this time they made one about the the origins of a little like four note piece of music that's been used on the uh, Disney Channel, except in this country where it's something else for some reason. Yeah. Um, around the world um, for years and years and years, and trying to figure out who actually wrote that little jingle, mm. and which has been adapted into various different versions of it lots and lots of different times and finding that process of figuring out who wrote it very difficult and uh, it becoming surprisingly interesting to try and and find this out so this uh, video happened and in the same week as this a different video dropped which was also a video about the origins of a sound mm. That uh, we have both seen, I believe. Um, yeah. 
and this is called roblox underscore oof dot mp3 and is a video by a youtuber called uh, hbomber guy whose videos i have enjoyed in the past and are generally very very long essays on some topic yeah and in this case, it was about the uh, the I think it's being killed sound in Roblox, which is sort of an oof sound, which uh, has become completely outside of my awareness. Has become a meme of some sort that just exists around TikTok and various other things that people use, and it's just a famous sound. Uh, but it turns out not one that originated in roblox or was made for roblox and the story of where it actually comes from turns out to be very fascinating but also just kind of a side note in what turns out to be the very bizarre story of uh, the career of a sound designer and composer for video games known as Tommy Tallarico. So it, it was an interesting thing when I heard that name because I knew that I'd heard it somewhere before mm. um, and I couldn't place exactly where. And um, it turns out uh, in two to three hours into this um, video documentary uh, that it's probably from Video Games Live, uh, yeah. which is a thing that he invests a disproportionate amount of his time in now. Yes. Uh, I have been certainly to a Video Games Live in London that he has been the host of. So he, tra- he travels around with it sometimes and sometimes fronts it himself. Uh, he has a particular stage persona, which in the past I have made fun of with friends occasionally. Uh, him just being very bombastic and then overly defensive of, for some reason, of video games as a hobby. Um in front of a receptive audience to that. Mm. Um, and I always kind of mocked his his way of speaking about that, just imagining him, him kind of bursting into conversations about video games with a guitar saying, hey, wait a minute, video games are cool. And, and uh, it turns out, because I was a little bit guilty about... Um, mocking him in this way because i had nothing against tommy tallarico really i just found his stage persona quite quite funny um but i had no reason to feel guilty about it at all the man is a nightmare (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i mean having seen it myself that's a that's a fair assessment (laughs) um Um, yeah I, i don't think there's there's any redeeming this uh, I don't really want to go into it into too much detail because you might enjoy discovering how deep the rabbit hole goes <laughs> yourself. But basically, imagine, I don't even know how to say it. He has basically exaggerated or lied about, I would say, almost every aspect of his career. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Yeah. How how Harris has laid out his video as well is really good. In that 
sort of the first 30 minutes are just an explanation of where this oof sound comes from and then he's like this this is the the video ends here this is the point where normal people can tune out and then he starts to go down the tommy tallarico wormhole um <laughs> and ending with a twist that i honestly didn't see coming but like i'm totally not surprised by in hindsight <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and just to be slightly cautious, I guess <laughs> I, I would say a lot. Uh, some of the things that he talks about are, you know, you, there's a bit of wiggle room here, and he's careful to say, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but it looks very much like I'm right about this being a lie. <laughs> um, uh, and so there is a bit of that, but also quite a lot of the things in the video. There's no way out. He just flat out lied about it. It's obvious that he lied about it. You've got the video footage showing <laughs> that he lied about it next next to the lie. It's mm. it's it's just inescapable. So, you know, why while you'd usually want to be pretty cautious, I guess, about putting a video up that is basically a long takedown of <laughs> someone and their whole career because that might be thought of as uh, slanderous perhaps um there are so many receipts here that he probably <laughs> didn't have to worry about it so yeah that's the documentary that i really didn't realize was going to be about <laughs> tommy tallarico at the beginning when i went into it but i'm very glad it was because it was yeah as i say a real rabbit hole and i do recommend uh, checking it out if you have a spare is it two hours it's something like that isn't it um i actually think it, yeah no that one is two i think it's like an hour and 54 minutes yeah you know the length of a film <laughs> yeah if you want a feature length documentary <laughs> about a video game composer that you may or may not have heard of almost certainly haven't heard of and having a just extremely odd life um then i recommend it roblox <laughs> underscore oof dot mp3 <laughs> oh geez that is weird so so how are you doing and, and what have you been up to lately that you'd like to bring up as a topic for discussion in this podcast that we do well that's so formal um what what is a formality between friends <laughs> or between podcast host and guest. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I went to a museum, Peter, as people do. Um, you see, uh, I, I went to Cambridge, which is a, a city in, in the United Kingdom, mm -hmm. um, to visit some friends. And, and also, well, you see, um, I've got this story I tell about it where uh, we're in... Um, I may have even mentioned it before on this podcast. I can't remember. Uh, so, um, I was directly responsible for the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and let me just explain that. Um, <laughs> you no know need. how, <laughs> no, no, no need. Let's move on. Um, yeah. uh, I had sex with a pangolin. Uh, <laughs> no, no. um, no, um, so <laughs> after eating a bat. <laughs> um so let me explain um right. uh, <laughs> please do <laughs> hurry speed your way towards the explanation 
Well, you know, you know how how you make a New Year's resolution each year, right? And it uh, on on New Year's, and it's always something like that you'd really like to change. Like you're like, oh, I want to lose some weight, or I want to, you know, read more books or something. And it's always something right. that you you know you like the sound of, but you somehow never quite get around to doing during the year. And then when you reach the next New Year, you're like, oh, well, I didn't didn't do any of that shit. Mm. So, um. My my three New Year's resolutions uh, for um, 2020 were go to Cambridge w- one weekend uh, and go to two museums I've been meaning to go to for a couple of years but haven't quite gotten around to going to. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. I've, I've fooled the system, you see, because this is they're eminently achievable goals. It's one weekend. I was like, what? What could possibly stop me? What could stop me achieving these goals? Only the entire shutdown of society as I understand it. <laughs> uh, yes. So what I'm saying is don't tempt fate uh, is the upshot of this, I guess. But you have got round to it. I, I, ha- I have a mere two years later than I intended to because of, you know, the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> but never mind, I did it. I went to the thing. All right, let's just give you a little, for all time's sake. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? And um, I would like you now to tell me about one, but not both of those museums. Mm, because we've decided to um, record two introductions, one introduction for each of the two podcasts we're doing separately. And if you enjoyed that peek behind the curtain, then let me tell you, that there aren't any more. There are no, there are no <laughs> subsequent ones. Uh, at the start of the next podcast, we may pretend that that some time has passed when, in fact, it hasn't. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I, I went to the um, the Polar Museum at the Scott Polo Research Institute um, in Cambridge, and it may come as no surprise to you that I'm I'm horny for Arctic exploration. Um, I mean, you know, I did that whole podcast about a movie set in the Arctic. I think we spoke in one of these sections in a previous podcast about how I dragged you to an exhibition on uh, modern Arctic science um, at the Greenwich Museum. Very willingly dragged, I, <laughs> I will have to say. It was a lovely time. Um, so Scott... he, was, he was screaming and kicking the entire time. <laughs> Uh, Scott's Polar, what was it called? Uh, it's the Polar Museum at the Scott Polar Research Institute. Uh, Scott, so Scott, uh, presumably named after the uh, porridge oats. Uh, yes, yeah. um, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's named after Scott of the Antarctic, uh, Robert Falcon Scott, a very famous British Arctic and Antarctic explorer, and a fan of those oats. Um, why, why do you keep talking about oats? I've got to amuse myself somehow on this thing. <laughs> uh, sorry, I um, I uh, thought you might have been uh, setting up a very complicated multi-layered joke about Lawrence Oates, uh, the uh, famous "I'm going out for a walk, I may be some time" guy. <laughs> but um. <laughs> No, you weren't. You weren't going for anything in that depth, were you? Uh, no, no, <laughs> depth is not for me. 
<laughs> oh, listeners, why do you persist with this? Yeah, no, so um, the Scott Polar Research Institute is a building in Cambridge. Top work there, Kieran. Um, and the ground floor is a publicly accessible museum that you can get into for free, and you can look at all the stuff that they have, and they have a research library on the first floor that uh, you can go in and look at if you let them know in advance that you'd like to look for stuff in the library. Otherwise, you can't. And then there's a mysterious third floor where they keep, you know, the samples of the thing, I can only assume. Mm. Or, you know, like, offices <laughs> or something like that. Seems more likely. Yeah, and they've got a, a lot of sort of really interesting things. You can look. There isn't a lot there. I mean, it's a little smaller than I thought it would be. Um, but um, they've got sort of displays of like uh, kayaks and sledges and native artifacts and um, sort of clothing that Arctic explorers have worn uh, from older, from very old times all the way through to what they wear now um, in the modern ones, uh, which includes some hilarious like leopard print mittens that may be a joke. Um, uh, and they've got quite a lot about uh, my my other favorite weird people have gone missing in the arctic story except it's a real one uh the story of the 1845 sir john franklin uh expedition which um was lost with all hands in the arctic because they were looking for the open polar sea a thing which doesn't exist um it's very interesting actually because they've got a, a copy of uh the last known message received from them which um uh, a couple of their crew hauled a long, long way over the ice to leave in a cairn they'd, where they'd previously, in the previous summer, left a message saying basically everything was fine. Uh, and they came back to add to that note in the border like they wrote all the way around the edge, basically. Um, everything's not fine. Uh, John Franklin has, in fact, died. <clears throat> and we are going to try and get across the ice to come back. Um, hope everything's good at home. And um, that was the only message that we ever found from them. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting sort of story, actually, because they, they didn't find the um, ships Erebus and Terror that uh, they'd taken until 2014, which is a lot of years to be it looking is. for them. Yeah. they. Uh, I thought you'd actually like that section of the museum uh, while I was there because they um, th- they looked for them for 15 years uh, to try and find them and bring them home obviously they died a long time before that but um yeah they they tried a number of bizarre things to get them back like um they parked a boat parked yeah that's the right word they parked a boat um off the coast of uh the arctic right this story's going great and they they caught 12 arctic foxes because they knew that they had they roamed over huge ranges and they put metal collars on them with the location of the boat inscribed in them. <laughs> so if they so if they saw and killed one of the Arctic foxes for food, it would have like a note saying, Hi, if you've still got a compass, come here and we'll rescue you. <laughs> um, and they got one back. Uh, they um they they caught one of the Arctic foxes. It traveled 120 kilometers across <laughs> the ice. Um wow. And another one, another method. I mean, they they tried um, a lot of sort of routine methods, like sending people to look for them. But also, yeah. also, uh, Sir, Sir John Franklin's wife kept 
the whole thing in the public eye. So she kept fundraising for this, and they kept trying more and more deranged things to um uh, to find them. Like they uh, they released a series of hot air balloons that would burst at a certain height and release ribbons again with like a "Please come to this place and we'll rescue you." <laughs> <laughs> that is um. It's it's nice. I, I I like the I I like stories where there are bizarre schemes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I th- I thought you'd um, uh, I can't remember exactly what it says on the on the balloon because they have the packaging for one of the balloons and it says mm. it's, it, it says something like developed with scientific apparatus or something. I thought <laughs> <laughs> how vague. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just in it's just in that style of things at the time where you would just write a huge claim for no reason. On the front of, <laughs> like we developed this with science, whereas now we're like, well, I mean, yes, yes, yeah. you would, yeah, yep, you you would. It underpins our society. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I I mean, um, I saw the whole thing in a couple of hours. Um, and yeah, it's it's worth going. I would I would go. Also, it's free, um, which is is nice. Um, it sounds like a good time. Go in, look at the things, um, look at some statues, which are probably definitely cursed. Mm. Um, no, I I had a good time. I I think that um, sort of note from the cylinder in the can is probably the most interesting thing I saw there. They also they have li- lots of little models of the ships that they took as well, which is are fun to look at. Right. Mm. And I think that concludes what I have to speak of. <laughs> well, uh, okay then. Uh, shall we talk about the next eight minutes? Of- no, wait, that's not what we're doing today. Ah... <laughs> Oh, and and it wasn't scripted, listeners. Um, yeah. So, okay, we are now going to talk about knives out. No, even I did it. We're now going to talk about glass onion. Uh, and as we said, it's not going to be spoilery, but we are also advising that if you want to just go in completely blind, uh, tune out here. Why would you listen to the first half an hour of a podcast? about something you don't want to listen to i don't know but it seems to be most of our listeners um (laughs) (laughs) so first of all i suppose it might be good to talk about a few of the circumstances surrounding its release yeah so um so netflix has a deal with ryan johnson to produce two knives out movies uh this one and untitled sequel that they've just started writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and being as it's a Netflix release, um, and Netflix are really trying to drum up membership given uh, their recent catastrophic losses, mm. um, what they're doing is it's it's out in cinemas for, I think it's a week? Um in in a large chain in a couple yeah. of large cinema chains and then it's pulled from the cinemas after that week and it comes out on Netflix worldwide on the 23rd of December yeah and as i understand it it's not a wide release as well so you won't get it in all of the usual cinemas as well you'll get it in select cinemas. yeah it's it's more than i thought but um less than i'd hope 
Yeah, it, so we were lucky enough to secure a couple of tickets for this, but uh, at, at some point we were in, in a bit of doubt whether we would be able to. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we tried to get tickets for the BFI premiere, um, but um, I kind of like blinked and they sold out. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, I think it sold out in like 20 seconds or something, so... Uh, then I was like, I was like, let's just watch it on the twenty third. But then they announced this weird co-showing deal where you can watch it in a cinema, and I was like, let's do that, and we did. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's pretty poor overall. It because it, it, a, l- a lot of people have said as well when I've been reading about it that they, and I think I agree, it's one that's really fun to watch with an audience there also enjoying it, <laughs> and and it's fine to not do that as well. Uh, I think you'll have a, a, a perfectly fine time with the film without that. Mm. But you, you, we always envisioned going to see this one, I think, together in the cinema. And it, it doesn't feel good that we were nearly not able to because it just was not released wi- widely enough. I think not all of this is necessarily on Netflix as well because um when I did a little reading into it apparently some of the uh, uh theater distributors as well are a bit reluctant to deal with Netflix given that they're kind of a a rival for mm. cinemas as a format uh, sort of thing so there's been some tension between them and a lot of the US um uh, cinema chains in particular I believe which they've only recently kind of worked out a little bit so that might have something to do with it as well, but I I really wish this had a longer run because it, it, I mm. mean from by all accounts it's done really well in its limited run. I have some facts. Would you like some facts? I'd love some facts. So um, the concept behind this is called underbooking, where you um, make people frisky for a thing by uh, limiting its supply, uh, and I agree that it sucks. Um, mm. Uh, they screened it in 700 cinemas worldwide uh, and it earned about $13 million. Uh, The first movie screened on about 3,000 cinemas worldwide and earned $41 million. Um, Mm. So you can see that it it almost certainly would have equaled or surpassed that. Um, Uh, Easily, yeah, because it was not very much of a phenomenon at the time people were speaking that there was buzz about the film at the time mm. but i i think it's had a bit of time to build up momentum now so it would have easily beaten it out i would have thought i mean i i think we discussed earlier in this podcast season that i'd never heard of it except when i was walking with you and a bus went by with an advert for it on the side and i was like yes yeah. <laughs> right so um netflix's um uh, stock price has dropped by 60% this year uh because they've because a terrible feature of our society is um that all businesses attempt infinite growth which is of course impossible because there aren't infinite people to buy your product yeah um so the fact that netflix has hit the cap of people who are prepared to pay for netflix especially considering they keep putting the price up for the service um means that their investors have gone, oh no, and uh, the stock price has plummeted. Um, but also, when they made this deal for Knives Out, they were pretty flush. 
um, and they paid $469 million for the rights for two films. Yeah. Um, which has been described as an astonishing amount of money for two films. Yeah. Like, not even to make the movies, just for the rights to make them. So yeah. they were pretty flush with cash when they did that, and now they need to sort of exploit these properties as quickly as possible to get that turnaround. And so what they're hoping is that, um, well, and I guess we're complicit in this now, um, is that some people will see it in the cinema and go, shit, yeah, it's really good. And then everyone who doesn't have a Netflix subscription will go, oh, I'll subscribe to Netflix and watch this. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I I don't know whether it's a... I, I just don't know whether it is really going to be a subscription seller. I don't know how long that um, companies like Netflix and other streaming serv- services can keep on just trying to gain subscribers i can't be a subscriber to everything is yeah. the problem no I, I mean that's um and that, and that's part of the reason that why a few years ago netflix added that feature where it's like hey we know you share your netflix account like we, here's five you know his five sub logins for your account um because they knew that everyone was doing it uh because why wouldn't you you know, I mean, like if you can split the cost of it between a couple of people, it's a great deal. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, the fact that everything is switching to a subscription service is a worrying, especially when you take in the sort of cost of living crisis that seems to be hitting worldwide now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, second thing that I'd hoped I'd have thought of by the time I reached this point in my sentence. Exactly. Yeah, especially the second point. Especially the second point. I did have a second one, but listeners, it it, this is the first podcast we've really recorded since Peter got his new setup going in his new house, and there was a lot of technical stuff at the start, and I'm very tired. Yeah, it it took us a while. Sorry. Um, So, what was I going to say? I've I've lost it as well now. Hang on. Uh, All right. Yeah. So, uh, consumer professionals. Uh, I am probably going to keep my Netflix subscription active until I have a chance to watch Glass Onion with my fam family, which I want to do around Christmas time when I go mm. down to visit. Uh, yeah. After I've done that, I think I'm just going to kill it because I'm yeah, I ha- I don't use it enough, and I'm I'm not going to be subscribed to, to something for the sake of another Knives Out movie that's going to come out in another three years from now yeah yeah i mean i might subscribe to watch it then you know but um for a month yeah yeah so it i i find the subscription model really sort of predatory and sinister when you consider about how much of this sort of relies on the fact that you forget like yes that's 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 how it works isn't it i mean like like you know um okay, they've got their heavy users who are really into it and are using it all the time, and they've got the people who sign up for it for a month and then have the fucking ADHD or whatever and forget. And like, and that's like a, a £10 a month subscription that you're paying for indefinitely forever. So, I mean, I had that myself with... Yeah. Um, I bought Microsoft Game Pass to play Sea of Thieves with some friends. And um, like, we played it on and off 
over a year like we so we'd play it for like a couple of evenings and then mm-hmm. go three months and then play it a little bit more and the end i end up paying about 200 pounds for sea of thieves i just bought it on steam because it ultimately worked out cheaper i wasn't using anything else but like if i hadn't remembered if i'd set a whole bunch of reminders to be like you know every couple of months ago are you using this um and if i hadn't done that then i'd still be paying for it now uh like yeah. just consuming money for a service i don't like software as a service either really Mm -hmm. um especially for something like photoshop where you might not use you know if you're a um a hobbyist you might not use it in a month but they'll still bill you for it yeah the the, here's the way that i think it should work during the first period because they got a prove that you're willing to pay for something i guess Mm. uh they they take the money when you first subscribe after that they take the money at the end of the usage period and they either charge you just a small maintenance fee or nothing at all if you don't if you haven't actually used any of the service uh, d- during that period they'd never do it because that's dis- disastrous for a lot of companies mm. but i i wish there was some sort of law about it which meant that you couldn't be charged for for subscription services that you have not used at all. No, it's and and that that seems like a really good and sane idea to me. And and maybe we'll end up going that way now that literally everything is a subscription service. I mean, I mean, it makes more sense for things like software or yeah. like something where you know you're paying to keep the lights on. Um, but I agree that you really shouldn't be paying for it if you if you aren't using it because that I mean this is what everyone's doing is just like signing up for a month then cancelling it and it's just like yeah. um, an unnecessary burden on the consumer yeah or well, what it's doing is at best at absolute best what it is is it's asking you at the beginning of each month mm. uh, to predict whether you're going to use a thing during that month which is not always possible to do you and uh, of course you'd like likely to think oh well you know maybe i'll use it and then not use it um so it's predatory in that way and also in the way of like you said before you'll just forget Mm. because it just happens so automatically every month that you'll just forget so i think i do feel like something's got to give with this because Mm. we can't be subscribed to everything i I can't be it's it's ridiculous Uh, Mm. and oh listeners uh here's a top tip that will definitely mean that audible will never sponsor this podcast um go go to the if you if you are an audible customer uh, go to the Audible app on your phone and go through the cancellation process. Do it now. Like, we'll wait. Go through the cancellation process and say that you're paying too much for it. That it's, um, it, you know, that you aren't, um, it's costing you too much per month. And uh, it will automatically apply a 50% discount for three months. So, um, so go, go and do that now. Let's, let's cost Audible some money. Um, <laughs> and if you aren't, if at the end of that period you aren't, you find you're not using it and you're just accumulating Audible credits, cancel it. You know, just buy three books with the Audible tokens and then and then cancel your subscription. It doesn't matter. You can resume it later. You still get all the audio books you've bought in the meantime. They're never going to sponsor us now. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that works for various other things as well. Yeah, now yeah, now yeah. TV will do it for yeah. as well. Um, so um, Adobe's I mentioned them briefly earlier, but I, I think their subscription model is particularly predatory mm. uh, because um, with things like Netflix and Audible and whatever, when you get bored of it, 
um, you're just like, I'm out, and you kick cancel, and then it begs. There's like three, three to five pages of it begging you to stay, and maybe throwing you a discount bone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just go, no, 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 I'm done, and then you're out. Uh, Adobe's one, um, they, I don't know if it still works this way, but I remember this is how it worked when I looked into it previously. Is um, th- you're buying a year's worth of service from them, yeah, uh, but you're paying monthly, right? So mm-hmm. if you try and cancel at any point before that year is up, they just bill you the remaining amount of money <laughs> without and deny you service to it. So it's um, I, I think they got in some trouble over this, so I don't know if they still do it, but Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I mean, if you've agreed to be signed up for a year contract or something, it can work like a mobile contract, I guess, where mm. you... Uh, just decide to end your contract early and, uh, uh, and pay out. And they pay out the rest of it, but mm. you still need to be able to use the thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I just found that disgusting. To be honest, yeah, that was that's awful. Peter, uh, so th- should we should we steer this podcast away from just being totally about anti-capitalism for a little bit? <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say that this this conversation about glass onion is going really well, isn't it? It's, um, it's, it's got it's gotten deep. Um, yeah. Like a it's it's. So we'd like you to to get a Netflix subscription if you don't have one and watch it because otherwise they won't make Knives Out three. But also set a reminder on your phone to cancel it after a month. There we go. Yeah. Is that is that? I, God, I feel like a a shill. I might need to have a shower after this. God, I in in its current form, I cannot recommend Netflix really, but I can <laughs> recommend watching glass onion yeah you 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 um so let's just be clear you can't watch it anymore in a cinema it ended today as we record this so fuck you i guess if you wanted to watch it in a cinema (laughs) yeah oh no one is gonna sponsor us no (laughs) (sighs) right okay so the film should we do the film so it stars. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read the cast and a li- and the cast, their character name, and a little bit about them. Uh, and and uh, yes, you're right. This has been list- lifted straight from Wikipedia. But uh, I'm going to mentally cut out the spoilery bits for you. That's that's the service you're paying for, listeners. And I hesitate to remind you, you pay nothing for this service. So. <laughs> So we've got making his return appearance, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, um, a detective. That's all I can say from that sentence. <laughs> all right. Um, so he is the same as he ever was. Um, hilariously, uh, Ryan Johnson uh, considered making him have a different accent for each film. <laughs> <laughs> just completely unexplained just another totally random accent it's a very funny idea but i'm glad they didn't know with it because i and, love the voice so much. and um and daniel craig actually worked with a voice coach to get back into the voice for it mm. which i um yeah it shows his dedication to it i think i i liked it um so we've got also got edward norton playing miles bron uh, a billionaire owner of a large technology company Mm-hmm. Called Alpha. Uh, we've got Janelle Monet uh, playing Cassandra Andy Brand, uh, his ex business partner. We've got Catherine Han playing Claire DeBella, the governor of Connecticut, now running for the Senate. 
We've got Leslie Odom Jr. as Lionel Toussaint, uh, the head scientist for Mars Company. Katie Hudson playing Birdie J, a former supermodel turned fashion designer. Dave Bautista as Duke Cody, a Twitch streamer and men's rights activist. Oh, he is he is vile. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jessica Henwick as Peg, Birdie's assistant. Uh, Madeline Klein as Whiskey, Duke's girlfriend and Twitch channel assistant. <laughs> um, oh, uh, okay. I'm, I, w- I was going to skip this, but I'm going to uh, Noah Segan as Daryl, a slacker who lives on Miles Island. <laughs> yes. Uh, Noah Segan, of course, uh, played Trooper Wagner in Knives Out. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't see that. When I was watching the film, no, no, they, they, he, he looks very different, uh, which is a testament to, I guess, like makeup and costuming. Well yeah. done, guys. Uh, in uh, lesser roles, we have Jackie Hoffman as Ma Cody, Duke's mother, and Dallas Roberts as uh, Devon DeBella, Claire's husband. Mm. Uh, so, um, sh- should we talk about these people? Or um, is that spoilery? I think that might. Ver- I think we might have to save that for the next one because that will probably verge into spoilers. Yeah, there's some stuff that you can't really go into without g- getting into specifics. So mm. I, I mean, I, I've written some notes, some of which are unspoilery. Um, so shall I just start reading some of the things that I wrote in the kind of day or two following watching it? Uh, okay, so um, I'll just go through the list of people again and we can uh say anything we'd like to have said about mm. them sound good yeah all right so we've got benoit blanc again and um uh the movie starts during the covid pandemic yes and um benoit blanc is is not dealing well with it um yes yeah. is, is probably probably the the furthest i can go with that yeah, it's your classic kind of uh, uh, detective is uh, just not dealing well with not having a case kind of set up. Yeah, this this felt like an absolute callback to the Sherlock Holmes stuff where he's yeah. between cases and um, needled to the tits on cocaine. <laughs> yeah, although in this case he's finding other ways that are more kind of... Uh, up to date and topical, I guess. Of, very of dealing with it, very painfully relatable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw myself during lockdown in in this scene, <laughs> uh, like more than I'd like to imagine. Um, and about uh, about Blanc, I said, um, well, what I wrote down, and the more distance I have from the film, the 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 less I agree with what I originally wrote. But I'm going to say it anyway because it was how I felt coming out of the film. Mm. Um, which was that um, I didn't think that he kind of stole the show quite as much as he did in Knives Out, but he still has a lot of classic moments, which is mm. weird to say, like just a couple of films in that there there can be a classic Blanc moment, but it it, it already feels like there can be. Uh, and uh, and when I've been thinking back on the film now, I, I actually think, no, I, Actually, there were loads of blank puts that I really liked. Loads of them. Um, I keep on remembering new ones that I'd kind of temporarily forgotten about. And then, um, uh, like, what one where 
I guess in a non-spoilery way, I'll say he keeps on using a particular word over and over again. (laughs) I remembered that one the other day. And, uh, uh, and I, I think he does actually have loads and loads of really, really great moments. But what I think he maybe doesn't have is anything that kind of reaches the heights of that whole donut, whole within yeah. donut whole kind of speech mm. that he does yeah um i i thought he felt a little toned down during some of the movie but um um they really stick the landing it's yeah. uh, it, it's great um mm-hmm. that's as far as i can go in this section <laughs> <laughs> um and I mean, I guess as we go into the other characters, I, I I sort of had a general comment about the characters in general as well, which is that I thought, um, and this is a really mild criticism, I guess, of the, of the film, is that with Knives Out, I really enjoyed all of the characters, mm. but w- without exception. I just found them... Uh, universally enjoyable there wasn't one character where which i felt like the film could have done without they that they all were absolutely top-notch i really enjoy the characters a lot in in knives out Mm. in glass onion i i enjoyed the characters fine but i definitely felt like there were some that seemed a bit underwritten or underused or Mm. maybe just were edited in a way that just made them feel like I, I I didn't know who they were as characters quite as well as I I felt I knew the um the ones in Knives Out. Hmm. Does that sound fair? Yeah, and it's something I think I will come back to with you in the subsequent podcast because mm. I want to talk about how those characters are introduced. I don't disagree, mm. um, but. I think again, it sort of suffers from the comparison to Knives Out, where you get this sort of pin sharp introduction of everybody right at the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah. You know, with their name on a card right next to them and their relationship. So you know, any any film which doesn't follow that immediate pattern right. um, is gonna suffer for that. I think, but I, I do I do agree in principle. Um, uh- a bit, a bit uh, hamstrung by the whole spoiler thing. <laughs> I, I want to emphasize that I do think there are a few characters who are really, really great and on mm. par with yeah. characters in Absolutely. Knives Out. And so I'd put uh, uh, in that box, I'd put Edward Norton's character, Miles mm. Braun, great, really just fantastic moments throughout. Um, and I would put in... Um, Janelle Monet's character, yeah. uh, really great, um, and uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna run into the problem that I don't have a list of actors and their roles in front of me at the moment, so I'm gonna forget their. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, for, sorry for not preparing one for you like <laughs> like I normally do. I, I have to refer to a card through these all the time. <laughs> I don't remember the character is Birdie J. I'm gonna remember either the actor or the character, but not that's both. Kate Hudson. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really great character. Mm. Um, she gives she gives me vibes of um, oh, I can't remember her name. The the one who runs Flam in Knives right, Out a little bit, yeah. But um, 
but some yeah, but but ditzier. Yeah. Oh god, if if such a thing was even possible. Uh Joni uh, Thromby played by Tony Collette. Right. Definitely didn't just Google it. Um and, uh I, I've only got one of the names now, Bautista. Dave <laughs> that, Bautista. That's the one. Yeah. 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 Uh, his character really good, I think, in, in, in it as well. Uh, and then there were ones like uh, the scientist. What's the name of the scientist guy? Um, uh, Lionel Toussaint, uh, played right. by Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah, I, th- he's one of the ones where I, I, I felt it was maybe a bit underused, mm. a, little, a little bit, but it is in it and is decent in it is fine in it has mm. uh, seemed to recall had a, had a good bit at the beginning of the film uh, during his character introduc- introduction but i i couldn't thinking back i couldn't tell you a lot about that character mm. maybe yeah i mean is he, it a spoiler to say that <laughs> it might uh, yeah maybe um yeah. um I think he's there to set up some concepts more than be a fully developed character, which is a little bad for this movie. But, you know, he's still fun in the scenes that he's in. So, again, I don't disagree with your assessment. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, as I say, there are loads of characters in it that I really did enjoy a lot. Mm. And I think the Clark cast overall is strong. I just think that the there was a bit of a better balance mm. between the different cast members in the uh, in the first film in Knives Out. By the way, while I'm on the first film, Knives Out, uh, I think we're both agreed that these should be called uh, a Benoit Blanc mystery, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we even mentioned this in, in a previous episode, is that yeah. um, I can imagine people throwing chairs around in a room at Netflix, um, because yeah. this is, of course... The movie is titled Glass Onion, colon, A Knives Out Mystery, mm. um, which uh, it isn't because uh, it should be Glass Onion, colon, a Benoit Blanc Mystery, uh, probably then brackets, he's the detective from Knives Out. That's the title I would have gone with, but um, I'm not neurotypical, so, you know. <laughs> um. uh, and he he is the, he's really the only thing that, <laughs> that, is carried over from the films, apart from mm. the fact that it's a mystery, I guess, mm. is the other thing. But um, uh, they don't—they they don't really go in for sly references to Knives Out during it or anything like that. They—you could mm. watch them in either order; it, yeah. it would work. Yeah. Um, It—it's totally works on its own. It's—it's uh, it, good that way, I think, because um, I think you can enjoy it just as much if this was your introduction to the character and then go back and uh, and watch Knives Out. If I had to give people an order that they should watch it in, I'd still say probably in chronological yeah, order. Yeah, chronological order is the one to go with. Um, yeah. Interestingly, I was thinking about, and this movie takes place less than a year after the events of Knives Out, so mm. um, it's got a busy fucking lifestyle. Um <laughs> Blank. And um, you can work that out because the toxicology report in the movie Knives Out has a date on it, and this movie has a date on it as well. So there you go. You can oh, I, you can I tell. Actually, know how you could tell that. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Um, time is passing, and all that. Mm. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, favorite characters. I mean, uh, Janelle Monet's character is um, kind of delightful. My um, very powerful performance, very good in every scene she's in. Um, Dave Batista again. He's he's excellent at playing an MRA asshole. Um, oh God, I I can't even talk about the thing that his is defining characteristic, which is a spoiler. But um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, what an asshole! And he plays him so well. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good character archetype. Mm. I would say that that's the other thing um, that this uh, film takes from *Knives Out* is that mm. it's um, it it's very happy to uh, make fun of the the rich and powerful i guess yeah and um well whereas in knives out they were one rich obnoxious family uh in this movie they're a rich and obnoxious group of friends yes and uh benoit blank bears them down to the bone with um the same efficiency he does in knives out and um i think that's sort of hearkening back to like I think we've mentioned it with Columbo before, yeah. where like he's never going after somebody who's uh, poor. It's always someone who is rich and thinks they can get away with it. Yeah, uh, it, and that's it, that's a good trope to use. I think it's a really satisfying dynamic to have in a uh, in a detective story. I think, uh, and uh, you know, it's one of the reasons that I'm excited as well for the series that he uh, that he's coming out with next year called uh, Poker Face. Mm, which might be the first our listeners are hearing of it. Do you want to talk about it a little more? Uh, yeah, so the, there's the, a series called Poker Face uh, that is a... Um, uh, it's recently been confirmed because I read it in an interview with Ryan Johnson. It, it's the first series he's made, and it's uh, on Peacock, I think. I'm not sure what Peacock is. It's another one of these damn services, I think. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and uh, uh, but it's a it's like a ten episode long series or something like that, and it is a detective uh, series in the mold of Columbo. So it's not so mm. much a um, a whodunit, more of a how catch em, more of a uh, kind of interplay between the culprit and the detective trying to outsmart each other a murder of the week thing. show yeah and uh, so yeah separate stories each week as well uh peacock is nbc's streaming platform ah yes because of the peacock NBC logo yeah, peacock yeah. I, logo. I mean I, i'd guess that but i just google yeah. it and, and it's true so yeah that that's what's uh that is what that is about when you watch the trailer for that, which is available, you'll, you, you may notice the Columbo font that is even used yeah. <laughs> in, in the trailer. So that they've, that's very much what they're going for with that. And, and you can really tell uh, both from that and, and just from a lot of aspects of Benoit Blanc, that uh, Ryan Johnson just really loves Columbo and that, that character and the, the sorts of ways that he gets under the skin of uh, the, the, the people that he's investigating. Mm. I, I remember from when we were speaking of Knives Out when they were saying they originally had this sort of like laundry list of like ticks and features that Benoit Blanc had that slowly got pared down as the uh, as the script got more and more complete <laughs> when they realized they didn't want it to be just like this totally neurotic mess. 
Um, one of the things that I really noticed um, during Glass Onion, which I think will probably suffer for forcing everyone to watch it on a small screen, is that the cinematography is fucking incredible. Like, mm. um, it, it, it's like one breathtaking shot after another, and I was like, um, wow. <laughs> um, there's um, a number of shots which follow each other in rapid succession, which are all just very nice to look at. Yeah, I can't. The, the spoiler-free version of this is is difficult. Is it? Uh, well, I mean, it what, pretty. It pretty. What I can say is the main location that they use is kind of simultaneously just stunning and ludicrous <laughs> in a, in a way that seems very deliberate. Yeah. Like, uh, and uh, is very enjoyable. Mm. Uh, something else I, I would like to say, um, and that I can't really go into very much without, again, getting into spoiler territory, but I'm sure we'll love to talk about it when we do. How is... much of this podcast is us like saying we can't talk about it? Yeah, <laughs> most of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, I, I think perhaps you'll agree that in a lot of ways it feels like a just a weirdly timely film does that make sense to you yeah mm. yeah it's it's very of the era i mean um that was actually a thing that ryan johnson was going for even with the original knives out is to yeah. try and capture the zeitgeist in the movie because that's what the sherlock holmes books and the agatha christie books were doing at the time is um i mean that they weren't thinking of it in those terms but they were writing down exactly what was going on in society at that moment yeah. as part of their plots and it sort of crystallizes so a lot of people get their impressions of like i mean if you think about victorian london yeah. um the first thing that pops into my head is the introduction to the sherlock, the adventures of sherlock holmes from like the 80s you know so a lot of people get their impressions of these time periods from these detective yeah. fiction things that are so popular they've just sort of entered the collective unconscious as right. archetypes for these things but it's it feels so up to date in a way that mm. it feels uh, it it feels even more relevant now than it must have done when he was writing it. Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, certainly, the pandemic stuff was a little painful for me to watch. As yeah. I, was, I was like, it's it's uh, is there a word for like bad nostalgia? Uh, like pathos nostalgia i don't know um because uh the initial sort of pandemic setup scenes i was like oh fuck it's, it's been two years and it's it feels simultaneously like they're reminding me of something that happened a million years ago and of something that's too soon so it, it oh, it's so well done <laughs> i i do sometimes not want, especially when events in the world have been terrible, not want to see the dramatization of it immediately. Mm. I think during the trailers initially, I can't even remember what it was, where there was a film about something, and I was like, I feel like this literally just happened. <laughs> How is there a film? <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, is there anything we can talk else we can talk about which isn't spoiler ridden? 
I don't know. I think that's all we can. Well, I th- I, I tell you one thing that um, I can say is that I, I think since I've watched this film, which was a good uh, good week ago now, um, I have been thinking about it a whole lot, which is generally a good sign. Um, if I don't like something that much or I'm indifferent to it, I tend to forget about it quite quickly mm. but i'm i'm thinking about it a lot and just kind of re-remembering stuff that i'd forgotten about it as well it's it's really vivid in my memory at the moment which is usually a good sign mm. but my initial impression of it is that i don't think it's quite quite as good as knives out but it's in the same conversation with me it it, it can it can stand beside it you know proudly <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I uh any sequel especially to a movie that you consider absolutely iconic is gonna suffer, right? I mean, um yeah. if if this was a standalone murder mystery, like and we were being introduced to these characters for the first time, yeah. I would be all over this. It right. it would it would be incredible. I wouldn't be able to stop talking about it. Yeah. But it's a sequel to a really good movie and I, I feel like we've the vibe of this podcast is kind of like we're shitting on Glass Onion, and like please don't take that away from this. No. It is, it is an excellent film. Like it, it's in my top ten, I think. And the only reason it might not be higher than that, than the only reason I can't be more specific about that is um, if when I see a movie like this in the cinema, one that I'm mega into the first thing I want to do is go and see it again Mm -hmm. to sort of like, you know, reaffirm the details in my head and to enjoy it a second time and maybe like look for things that I missed the first time. And I couldn't this time. (laughs) Due to aforementioned problems. Yeah. Yeah. Due to, due to underselling bullshit. Um, Mm. But uh, I, I mean, I really, really enjoyed the movie. I um, like, it's, serious when it needs to be and it's funny when it wants to be and it's so well written <laughs> yeah and and uh, i would say just tonally something that i this is neither a positive nor a negative but just something that i was aware of while watching it is that it goes a little bit sillier than <laughs> knives out in a lot of different ways um, yeah uh, um uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say this or not, so uh, maybe plug your ears for like 30 seconds, listeners. Um, but like, I thought it was very silly, and then some stuff happened that made me go, oh, it's not quite as silly as I thought it was being, which right. is, is good. So, um, yeah, uh, my, yeah. My silliness quotient went down as the movie went on. Well, I would say something that it has in common with Knives Out is that it is out to... Uh, subvert some of your expectations mm. as to where the story is going yeah. but the way that it approaches that is completely different to how it approaches it in in knives out mm. uh but no i absolutely agree i had such a good time with it when i went in i was um uh, there were moments in it where you know my my mouth was hanging open because I was just in, appreciating <laughs> so much what it was doing on the screen and mm. uh, and the things that had be- just been revealed and uh, it's it's really it's a really impressive piece of work that is hindered 
only by the fact that it was preceded by Knives Out, a film which I I, I think of as nearly perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, do we want to leave it there then for this episode? Uh, I think we do, and mm. uh, and you know, next time we'll be able to elaborate a little bit on exactly what the deal is. Okay, so I think we've got the point across. But listeners, I guess our general opinion of this movie is it is excellent, and you definitely should watch it. However, you won't be able to watch it until the twenty third of December. So, uh, sozzles. Um, mm. <laughs> it's not our fault, but um, if you. Yeah, if you don't have a Netflix subscription, you should get one and watch it, and then maybe cancel cancel it just straight away afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we want that we want those numbers up so that they definitely make a sequel to this sequel. Yeah, uh, maybe that one will be really awful, and then we can get like a lot of a lot of badness talking out of it. You know, I feel like if the afterlife exists and it was just Ryan Johnson making Benoit Blanc films forever, I'd just uh, I'd, that'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, wouldn't that be hell for Ryan Johnson too? Oh. <laughs> wow! All right. Um, God, um, I, I I don't have my notes on how we outro the podcast. Hang on. I- Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Um, okay, so I realize this is a weird episode, but um, um, oh, Peter, what are you thinking of the film so far? No, no, um, oh. no. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcast at eightminutemovies.co.uk. If you like the show in general, I mean, aside from the special bonus episodes, you should tell a friend or leave a comment wherever you listen to it if that is indeed possible. Um, Peter, where can you be found on a, a dying social media platform? <laughs> you can find me at Kestrel Pie. I'm also Kestrel Pie on various of the other platforms that I'm not really posting on, but I've certainly made accounts on just in case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm Kieran J. Walt on, on Twitter. And oh Christ, I should register a fucking co-host or whatever, shouldn't I? <sighs> uh, I'm not using Hive. It's only an app. I need I need a website I can doom scroll. Can't all be on the phone. Um, oh yeah and we we have a a Twitter account for the show as well which is 8 minute movies with an 8 but like you should follow that (laughs) hashtag social media engagement Um, alright but bye listeners love you bye bye